affect us in ways that surprise us, in unexpected ways. And we ask that you help us to enjoy the time in a way that brings a huge smile to your face. Amen. All right. Um, first of all, I just want to say that I had a very good Thanksgiving, so don't bother asking. But everything that I was thankful for was totally done away with yesterday in watching college football as the forces of evil from Gainesville and Indiana both triumphed. The Catholics and the Gators both won. We are in the tribulation. But God has called us to go through these things from time to time because it makes us stronger. Count it joy when you fall into various trials because the testing of your faith will work patience, and hopefully a recruiting violation in Gainesville, hopefully, that's what we're, because right now, NCAA sanctions is the only hope I see, <laughs> okay, but we'll get on with that, maybe the Bucks can save us today, not Jesus, the Bucks, right, so, um, <clears throat> starting next week is the Advent Effect, it's going to be the series we've been talking about, uh, I'm very excited about it. I want to remind you, this is the week to start bringing friends, to start having our our fellowship time together, our celebration time together to grow numerically. It's going to be a great opportunity for you to bring people who maybe otherwise would never go to church. It's a special occasion. We're going to have it decked out really cool and differently to to kind of accent the whole series. Uh, We're going to start off with the story of Mary next week, and I'm very excited about how looking how the Advent totally changed her life. If you think about it, it's pretty dramatic, right? So we're going to be discussing that next week. So make sure that uh, you guys bring some friends. Have you all been trying to be many redeemers out there during the week? I hope you guys are remembering that concept that we taught a few weeks ago. We're not just saved, we're many redeemers. And we have a chance to go out and redeem portions of time and redeem portions of people's lives because of the power of Christ in us. Start using that ability over this series, over the next, uh, there'll be five sermons, four Sundays and Christmas Eve. Okay, so that's what we're going to be doing. I'm excited about the Christmas Eve service this year here in the garden as well. So just keep that in mind. The Advent effect, how Christmas changes everything. Today, I'm going to be talking about a very famous parable. It's called the prodigal son when you look in the, you know, in the uh, highlights inside the Bible. But I like to call it the prodigal brother. Because there's a different perspective on this parable I think a lot of people miss. And just like last week, how we talked about how we as Christians, we always want to think ourselves as being the good Samaritan. In reality, Jesus is the good Samaritan, and we are the robbed and beaten left for dead guy, right? We talked about that last week. This week, we're going to look at this parable called the prodigal son, and I'm going to call it the the prodigal brother. And you have to understand, the first thing that we have to start with is, why was this parable even taught? Why was this, why did Jesus even think up this parable of the prodigal son? And here's why. Because the religious people asked the question, and the scripture says, uh, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus as he was coming out of Sarah's cafe after Sunday brunch, and, oh, I keep getting the versions mixed up, I apologize. Every week that happens, I don't know how, but I guess it does. Um, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus, And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled among themselves, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So the question is, how could Jesus want to hang out with these sinful people? That was the question that the religious were asking. 
Now, they weren't asking Jesus because they didn't really have any courage. They were murmuring and complaining among themselves. How can Jesus hang out with these disgusting people? And so he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, this is a very important passage. This is very important. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Translation, Jesus likes the sinner more than the religious. And so what Jesus actually does, he sets the stage for this parable by saying, you have to understand something. The shepherd will be more excited about getting that lost sheep than all the 99 that stayed with him. And so Jesus sets the tone by saying, not only do do I hang out with the sinners, I'd prefer to be with them. They bring me more joy. Those are my peeps. So, as we read that, we see this passage where these people are asking this, this arrogant question. And then the parable answer is this spiritual tale of two twins. There's actually three parables in this passage, right? The first one is the sheep, the, the one in the 99. There's another one in there about the lost coin. That's for another sermon when I need something else one day to preach, right? But this one, he goes three parables. And this is the third one in the, in the list, in the teaching area. The first concept I want, you, I want you to see is there's this parable of disconnected sons. Not just disconnected son. It's not just the one that runs away. Both are disconnected from the father. Let me read it to you. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my inheritance that is coming to me. And so the father divided the inheritance between him and his brother. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a long journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose across the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to his own senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here in hunger. I will arise, go back to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father said to, his father felt compassion. And he ran, while his son is coming back, he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I can imagine he rehearsed this whole line several times, right? As he's walking through, okay, I'm going to say this. My, I'm going to say, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't deserve to be your son. Just make me a servant. Dad, I'm sorry. I don't deserve to be. He's rehearsing the whole thing, right? Because I'm really going to have to make sure when I approach my father, I have this down. I've, I've got to have my stuff together before I talk to Dad. Because if I don't have my stuff together before I talk to Dad, he's going to reject me. 
But look at what the dad does, right? He says he saw him coming from afar off. The father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The exact same phrase he was practicing before in the passage, right? But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead. And now is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they begin to celebrate. The dad was not even interested in the rehearsed lines of his son. Dad, please forgive me. I'm not even worth... Who cares? Put the robe on him. Here's a ring. Put some slippers on. Come on in. Kill the best cow we got. We're having a big old party because my son was dead. Now he's alive. I don't care about your rehearsed line. You're my son. I love you. And he embraces him and he kisses him and he hugs him and he brings him right back into the fold as though their relationship had never even been severed. That's amazing. He didn't care about the ritualistic stuff. He didn't care about the rehearsed lines. He didn't care about the liturgy. He didn't care about that part of it. All he cared about was my son is back. So that's the disconnected son who stays away, who moves away. That's verses 11 through 24, right? We see that. He's disconnected from the father because he took his money and left. But there's another disconnected son. There's another disconnected son who stays home. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. And the servant says, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother was very happy about this and joint. No, that's not what it says. The older brother became angry and refused to go into the party. So his father left the party, left the celebration. And isn't this amazing? He left where everybody was and once again ran to the disconnected. He left the party and he pleaded with his son, why don't you come in, celebrate with us? But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving. You see the notice here? He's a son Both of them, this is kind of like a bonus mini hidden sermon within the sermon. So you're very lucky to get two for the price of one. One is the the prodigal son. The other one is the comparison of a servant and a slave. And isn't it amazing? Both these sons seem to want to embrace the slave role. They're exactly the same. One just doesn't smell as bad. (laughs) I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends, not with you, but with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him? Do you see how strangely disconnected both sons are? And somehow one son says, I just want to be a slave. The other one says, I feel like a slave. But they're sons! They're both disconnected. I want to show you a couple things. It's kind of amazing, right? A huge secret party. How in the world could this big party go on and this son who supposedly is connected and loves his dad not know anything about it? 
You follow him? This is a big party. Get the robe, get the ring, kill our best cow, get all of our servants, everybody together. We're having a big old party. Yet the son who stayed home didn't know anything about it. You think it's because the dad said, no, don't tell my other son. Shh, shh, don't tell him. I don't want him here. You think that's the reason he didn't know about it? No, the reason he didn't know about it is because he was just as far away from dad as the other one was. Just not with distance. So was this a secret party? No, it wasn't a secret party. It was a party that was thrown in celebration, and the other son, the one that stayed home, was disconnected. And he's unwilling to receive his brother. Doesn't that sound like religion? Doesn't it? I mean, so he has this party he doesn't know about, so he's disconnected from the father, so he doesn't know about the party. The second thing is, he doesn't want to know anything about the brother. I can't, I'm not going into there. Once he does find out about a celebration, look, when I find out about a celebration, there's free food. Even if I don't even know you, I'm going. Right? I'm going. He didn't want the food. He was bitter. And then he spoils the celebration of his father's joy by just pouting out there outside of the party like this. And the dad says, you know what? I've got to leave this celebration that has warmed my heart so much, that has made me feel so good. I've got to leave that, and I've got to go out, and I've got to beg this guy, my son, to come in and celebrate. And so selfishly, this other disconnected son spoils the celebration that the father is having because he feels like a slave. He considers himself a slave instead of a son. So one son takes all his money, goes away, blows it on prostitutes and riotous living and all those things, and he comes back and says, I don't feel like a son, I feel like a slave. The other one stays home, he works, he does all these things, but he's disconnected from dad. He doesn't know what's going on in dad's life, clearly, because if he did, he'd be at the party. And he says, I don't feel like a son, I feel like a slave. They're the exact same people, are they not? They are the exact same people. And then he says, you wouldn't even give me a goat. Why don't you give me a fatted calf so I can go celebrate with my friends? Can you imagine the knife in the dad's heart that must have been? Give me a cow and I'll go have my own party. Now that you've heard this from this perspective, which one of these sons do you like better? Which would you rather be with today? You see, remember what the original question was? Why is Jesus hanging out with these sinners? And then Jesus paints a picture. Let me tell you why. Because the other guy sucks. He's a jerk. He's mean. He's selfish. He's nasty. He'd rather have a good steak than hang out with dad. So you see these both are spiritual twins. They're both sons. They were by choice disconnected from the father. One disconnected himself by taking money and going to another country. Another disconnected by saying, I just want what I can get from dad. 
I don't even know what's going on in his life. So by their own choice, the one that looked good, right? The one who stayed home and was working the family business and doing all that stuff. He looks good, right? From the outside. He is disconnected from the father just as much as the one who went away and was working and living with the pigs. Both equated their relationship to the father as slaves. Both. They felt like slaves. Both sought company apart from the father. One says, I'm going to go to another country and hang out with prostitutes. The other one said, I want my own cow so I can have my own party with my own friends. They both wanted to have associations that were away, separate from the father. They both wanted benefits of sonship without being a real son. You see that? They both wanted to be the sons of the father, but not really have to be a son. In many ways, you could almost say they'd rather be slaves. You could almost say, because think about this. The guy who was running away and spent all the money, he came back and he was saying, I'm not even going to try to be a son. I just want to be a slave. The other one says, I'm sick of trying. I'm just a slave. And he probably felt a little comfort in that. You know why? Because it allowed him to feel bitter. So you see, they're both really twins. They're both the same people. Now think about this for a minute. What was the question they asked Jesus? Why do you hang out with sinners? You know, the real question is, why would you hang out with anyone, Jesus? Jesus, why would you want to hang out with any of us? Why in the world would you bother with any of us? So the third point we see here, the first one was we saw disconnected sons, right? They're disconnected by choice. The second point we saw is clearly they're spiritual twins. Clearly. And the third one here is they both experience equal, undeserved love. Look what the dad says. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And now he's found. Isn't that amazing? No. Let me ask you a question. When you look at the big picture of who Heavenly Dad is and who we are and who Jesus is, what is the role that the older brother should have been playing in relationship to the younger brother and his father? What is the role that the older brother should have been playing in the relationship between the younger brother and the father? Think about our relationship with God and who Jesus is. What role? Think about this now. Who fulfills the role of older brother for us? Is Jesus not the Son of God? Yes or no? Are we... When we become believers, do we have all the benefits of sonship and daughtership? Jesus is our older brother. 
Do you see the huge difference between how the religious treated the sinful and how Jesus treats the sinful? So the religious asked the question, Jesus, why does, he, why does this guy, Jesus, hang out with these disgusting people? And Jesus says, if there's one missing, I'm going to go get him. And then he lays out this incredibly complex parable. There's more than one point in this. There's three points in this. First of all, he's saying, you'd rather be a slave than a son. Number two, you should be the reconciler from the younger to the older to the father. And number three, I am the older brother who reconciles. This should be you, but you can't do it, so I will. That's who fulfills the older role, older brother role for us is Jesus. Jesus is the reconciler. And this is the whole point of the parable. The whole point, the whole concept of the truth that we're trying to get across today when you read this is not that you have somebody who was sinful and he came back to life and that's what the parable is about. It is not what the parable is about. The parable is in reaction to a question, why do you hang out with the sinners? Here's why they need to be reconciled to the Father. And not only do they need to be reconciled, you that ask the question, you need to be reconciled. We both need to be reconciled. See, why does he hang out with them? Because Jesus wants to bring them home to the Father and have a big celebration. What did the Scripture say? There is greater celebration in heaven over one that is found than 99 that don't need to be found. That's what the party in the parable is a picture of. The celebration that takes place in heaven when one of God's prodigals who has gone away returns home thinking, if I can just come in and rehearse these lines, I know I've got to rehearse the lines, I've got to, re- I've got to make sure I do things the right way, I've got to approach the Father very carefully, I've got to come in, I've got to be humble, I've got to say, you know what, I just want to be a slave, I just want to be a slave. And before we can get the words out of our mouth, the Spirit of God, the sovereign power of saving God comes in and whooshes over us and grabs us and hugs us, and kisses us, puts the robe of sonship, puts the ring of sonship on our finger, and says to the servants, go get the calf, kill it, we're having a party, because my son is home. Before we can even become religious, before we can even repeat our recited lines, Jesus says, I don't need any of that, I'm here to hang out with you, to bring you back to dad. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing, what Jesus does? So when we start having visitors come here on Sunday morning that don't look like you, maybe they got a ton of ink. Maybe some of it's on their face. Mike Tyson, maybe. I don't know. Maybe they don't smell just right. Maybe they're outside smoking. I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is we're supposed to be the older brother We're many redeemers, are we not? If God has saved us, we better not ask the question, why are these people here? We better ask the question, Dad, what do you want me to do to bring them to you? Because that's what Jesus did for you. So as we leave this morning, as we get ready to end, what I want to make sure that you understand is that this parable is about a big brother 
who'd rather hang out with you than the people who got their act together. Because frankly, the people who got their act together are in just as much need of reconciliation as you were.